You're listening to The Complete Human Podcast, hosted by co-founders Jana Breslin and Evan DeMarco. We share authentic conversations about wellness, longevity, personal growth, and bio-optimization, along with inspiring stories that encourage community and social responsibility. We hope you enjoy this episode. Mental fortitude is a necessary element of success. Mental fortitude is defined as the ability to focus on and execute solutions when in the face of adversity or uncertainty. If we break under pressure, if we lose patience with the process we are being challenged with, it can easily drive us to quit prematurely. Is that a premature evacuation? Evacuation. (laughs) Uh, So do you guys remember the movie Rudy starring Sean Astin about a Notre Dame football player who spends his entire collegiate career on the practice squad? His one and only goal is to suit up and run out of the tunnel at the end of the game. Uh, By all accounts, Rudy wasn't a great athlete. He was not the biggest or the strongest. He didn't have some unique ability that made him stand out on the football field. But yet, at the end of the movie, the players all walk into the coach's office, drop their jerseys on the desk, and say, for Rudy. Um, Now, this is interesting, right? So I actually met Sean Astin at a race. He's He's a really fascinating guy and one that I'd like to get on the show. He has a charity called Run Third. And he started this as a Twitter Twitter handler because actually he's a marathon runner. You'd never guess that because, you know, he's a little thick. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, Sean. Um, But really what he decided to do was that he runs first for himself. He runs second for his family. And then he started this whole uh, Twitter handle called Run Third. And he would run third for other people. So people would send in like, run for my mom who's got leukemia, run for my dad. Um, so it, nice. really an interesting and fascinating guy. So I met him at the, uh, at the Hollywood half marathon. Um, just, just a really cool guy. And we got to talk about his experience and, you know, filming Rudy and, and, you know, what it's like to have that culture there, especially in Notre Dame where they, you know, they eat, sleep and shit football. Um, so he Ouch. met the, yeah. <laughs> shit football. Shit footballs. Howie. That visual. Yeah. Anyway, fascinating guy. So. But, but at the end of it, what we find out is Rudy's gift was mental fortitude. See, in spite of all of the obstacles in his path, he never wavered in his commitment to the team and his own unique goal. Hmm. Do, have you seen that movie? No. Oh, God, we got to we gotta we gotta, gotta watch that one. We got to Rudyize you. <laughs> um, so in the book, Talent is Overrated, author Jeffrey Colvin chronicles the habits of high performers and mental fortitude is really the backbone of that. Can a person get out of bed and deliberately endeavor day after day? When we study people like Tiger Woods and Peyton Manning, we see the success as a culmination of very specific practices. So each year, approximately 1,300 cadets join the freshman class at the United States Military Academy at West Point. During their first summer on campus, cadets are required to compete a series of brutal tests. This summer initiation program is known internally as Beast Barracks. Beast Barracks is deliberately engineered to test the very limits of cadets' physical, emotional, and mental capacities. Now, very similar to what we learned when we interviewed uh, Dave Castro, who's a Navy SEAL, the SEALs kind of have the same concept, right? So in BUDS, um, their fourth week of BUDS is called Hell Week, aptly named for the grueling physical and mental challenges recruits endure over the course of like five days. So what I found out in my research is that basically it's 20 hours a day of physical training and four hours of sleep. So they're, Ouch. But now this is going to be something we're excited about is that that could be very similar to what we do in Patagonia in a year. Evan is trying to sign us up for Eco Challenge. <laughs> <laughs> Which is in Patagonia. So yeah. that 
well, shit, we're going to need some real mental fortitude for that one. Totally. Mm -hmm. And luckily, we now have the tools to do that. So numerous studies have been done on these military elite, including the work of Angela Duckworth, a researcher, researcher at the University of Pennsylvania who found something very interesting when she began tracking the cadets at West Point. You see, like Rudy, it wasn't strength or smarts or leadership potential that accurately predicted whether or not a cadet would finish Beast Barracks. Instead, it was grit, mental fortitude, the perseverance and passion to achieve long-term goals that made the difference. In every area of life, from your education to your work to your health, it is your amount of grit or mental fortitude that predicts your level of success more than any other factor we can find. In other words, talent is overrated. While no singular principle is more important than the others in the complete human journey, mental fortitude is often the greatest predictor of success. We have spent a great deal of time researching high performers, and mental fortitude is a foundational characteristic found amongst them all. There are no outliers. And as we peeled back the layers, we found that mental fortitude really boiled down to a series of habits. Com the complete human mental fortitude principle is outlined in these steps. You ready for this? Yeah. Drum roll. But So step one, define clear goals and define the win. Connect with a purpose. So in the 1980s, General Electric implemented a system of smart goals for the company. And while then-CEO Jack Welch said he felt it contributed to the stock tripling in eight years, smart goals can have a darker underbelly if done improperly. I think you can actually attest to this because you own GE stock, right? <laughs> <laughs> that hurts just hearing that, I will say. It hasn't tripled in the last No, and it's tripled the opposite way. <laughs> um, <laughs> so... I actually ended up doing this uh, consultation contract for a in-hospital newborn photography company, and they were looking for some help. Um, and the CEO at the time, or, or the, the head of sales at the time, was all about SMART goals. And when I first heard that, I remember reading a Harvard Business Review of SMART goals done on GE, and it's a cautionary tale, right? And here's kind of why, and, and this is probably one of the reasons that your stock is somewhat <laughs> underperformed. Um, I, I, would, I would just sell it. Right. And I'm working on it. Okay. Um, <laughs> so what we found is that high performers use SMART goals, but not as a way of crossing things off of a list, also known as the to-do list mood repair. See, we all love crossing things off a list as it makes us feel productive. The complete human mental fortitude principle combines stretch goals and SMART goals. SMART goals support the stretch goal. So we often say that we want to live to be 150 or beyond. In fact, you we've said that a number of times on this podcast, and you had one of your followers comment that we needed to stop saying that because it was Dave Asprey's thing. Correct. Well, I'm sorry, follower, but uh, that's just simply not true, right? I mean, let's look at the Holy Grail or the Fountain of Youth, mm -hmm. Dorian Gray, the Sorcerer's Stone. I've wanted to live forever since I was, like, young. So this is not new. This is not a new concept here. Immortality has been the desire of humanity since we first crawled out from underneath a rock, right? Like, like this is not a new thing. Um, and as we discussed, the desire for a longer lifespan comes out of our desire for a longer health span where we can continue to educate and inspire real change. That lifespan of 150 years would be the stretch goal. The SMART goals are what support that. And so SMART goals are very specific. They're measurable. They're achievable. They're relevant. And they're time-bound. So let's break these down. The first one is to make it specific. In the realm of bio-optimization, these can be very concrete goals for diagnostic tests. I want my cholesterol to be X, my blood pressure to be Y, my heart rate variability to be Z. Your goal should be measurable. 
I want to be healthier is a goal, but not specific enough and certainly hard to measure. If we use the example of living to 150 as the goal, we know that certain factors like pulse wave velocity and cholesterol impact that goal. I want to have a 170 total cholesterol level is a measurable goal. What is your cholesterol? I feel like it could be a little better probably these days. We just did it. What was mine? I think yours was like 190. 170 is the average for someone. We're supposed to be the pillars of health. (laughs) Now, here's something, but total cholesterol is a great conversation, and we should actually talk to a lipid uh, specialist on the show because total cholesterol really is not necessarily the great indicator of what your your cholesterol or your artery situation Mm -hmm. is, is going through. So you could have total cholesterol of something that's above 200 or above 220, but depending on, you know, what your HDL, LDL, you know, cholesterol ratio mm-hmm. is, you could still be very healthy. Mm-hmm. And what we find is people who take a lot of polyunsaturated fatty acids or eat a lot of fish, mm-hmm. they might have a higher cholesterol number, but their ratios still indicate that they're fairly healthy. Right. So check out Complete Human Fish Oil. <laughs> yes. Today's episode is brought to you by... That was not planned. But. Yeah, no, it wasn't. See, we, we do well with these script offs. Um So the second one is achievable. Now, this is a big mistake that we make when goal setting. It's okay to have big, wow, holy shit ideas. In fact, these are the stretch goals, right? Elon Musk has become the modern-day rock star by constantly making his big, wow, holy shit ideas public. But keep in mind that he didn't start talking about colonizing Mars until he had a few wins under his belt. Let's also not forget that he's blown up a few rockets along the way. You see, when you're an eccentric billionaire, you can make all the crazy goals you want. But for now, eat the elephant one bite at a time. Living to 150 is the stretch goal, and it may or may not be achievable. Getting the 170 cholesterol is. So they, all should, they should also be realistic. Can you really achieve this goal? Is running the 2 minute and 45 second mile a goal? Yes, it is. Are you going to accomplish it? Probably not. And if you do, I will certainly apologize in public on this show. Mental fortitude is perseverance in the face of overwhelming obstacles and odds, but goals still have to be realistic. Otherwise, you're going to get discouraged. And so they also need to be time-bound. Long timelines stop the most important element in goal setting, and that's momentum. Small goals accomplished in quick succession leads to momentum, and momentum is everything in life. Without it, we're just treading water waiting for the zombie apocalypse, or in this case, 2020. (laughs) Yes, exactly. Um, I heard aliens are coming next week. Is that... Just screw this year. (laughs) Screw this year, yes. Okay, we're going to talk a little bit about this, too, because everybody keeps saying that, but my big concern is that 2021 is probably going to be... Not that much better. Not that much better. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I agree. But anyway, so let's let's get back to this, the zombie apocalypse. And mental a- fortitude. Alien invasion. <laughs> uh, so momentum takes us closer to the stretch goal, and accomplishing the SMART goal is what gives us that momentum. So if 170 is your, to- is your target cholesterol level, and you're currently at 300... Getting to 170 in six months probably isn't realistic, but setting a six-month goal to get to, to to get your cholesterol to 250 is realistic. You see, without a destination and a rudder, people are just bobbing about in the ocean, aimlessly wandering from one calamity to the next. Again, we call that 2020. Exactly. So, did you hear about um, that that new car smell of a Tesla? No. I've heard it has more of an Elon Musk. Oh God. <laughs> Good. That's good. I picked a hell of a year <laughs> <to quit laughs> drinking. It's you brought up Elon, and I, you know, I love a Tesla. So, and now, now, now we have Elon Musk. Elon's Musk. <laughs> <laughs> 
Anyway, so anyway. The, the step number two is to create an efficient path. So Steve Jobs was famous for the New Balance sneakers and the black turtleneck. Mark Zuckerberg wears the same thing almost every single day. High performers often face something called decision fatigue, where every little decision from what to wear to what company to buy causes mental fatigue. Eliminate that by standardizing a wardrobe or just maybe go naked. I don't see the problem with that. It's it's natural, right? Yeah. I mean, that's honestly, we're thinking about how we came into this world. I mean, it, if we come out of mom perfectly, we're not wearing clothes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, I certainly hope not. Right. That'd be a little weird. Anyway, so one thing we found in looking at all the research was that high performers took care of the nasty stuff first thing in the morning, while others put it off until later in the day. If you have reports that are supposed to get done every day, and that's the one part of your job that you hate, and you put that off until the last possible moment, the stress of having something you don't like loom over you all day begins to perpetually impact your energy. High performers get the shit done that they want to do they do it first and then they don't have to worry about it the rest of the day. So, mm-hmm. I, I mean, goals. Goals. I actually learned this one from a, uh, back when I was working on Wall Street. I, that was kind of the thing. Like I had these reports that I hated to do and I would put it off until the end of the day. Mm-hmm. So I would come in and I would do all of the things that I really enjoyed about my job first. And then that, that reporting just loomed over. And finally, I had a great boss who just said, you know, get it out of the way first. Then the rest of your day is awesome. And I was mm-hmm. like, oh, it yeah. makes so much more sense. It makes a lot of sense, but it's you know it, these are these are some of the things <coughs> that just people just don't think about. It's not instinct. Uh, it's not intuitive for us. Mm-hmm. So it, that's definitely one of the great ones when we talk about. We like to do what feels comfortable. Yes, but maybe that's not the best thing for our mental strength. Totally. Exactly. So step three: eliminate distractions. No excuses. Mental fortitude is about habits, not your motivation. Let's be honest. Our phones represent the single greatest distraction ever, period. History of mankind, period. <laughs> so let's, let's get into this, right? Make an estimate of how many times you are distracted during the average day on your phone. Now take that number and multiply it by 25. That's how many minutes of concentration you're losing. It takes an average of about 25 minutes or 23 minutes and 15 seconds to be exact to return to the original task after an interruption. And this is according to Gloria Mark, who studies digital distraction at the University of California in Irvine. So step four is accountability. It's, it's so important to know that there is strength and unity and that you are not alone. It's great to find a mentor and a few cheerleaders. Find your tribe. This word gets thrown around a lot, especially in the world of social media. People think that they have a tribe or good friends that exist through some digital connection. But ask yourself this. When you're broken down on the side of the road at 2 a.m., who are you going to call? Chances are it's not some social connection that you've never actually met in person. Cultivating a group of friends in a tribe is a process. And when you have that tribe, you should be able to say to them, this is the path that I'm on. And as my friend, I'd like you to hold me accountable to my goals. These are individuals that you have true and honest interpersonal relationships with, not social media acquaintances that we think are close friends. Makes a lot of sense. So this is actually a question that I pose to you, right? Having so many people that follow you on Instagram, is it easy to fall into the trap of thinking, well, you've got this tribe, you've got this community, when when in fact, I mean, you know, 700,000 people, a million people, like you, you don't know any of these people. I don't. Um, I mean, but like, I guess having a following for a few years, there have been a few that I've gotten closer with just because I've built up relationships and helped people and answered questions and stuff like that. But, um, but 
are any of these people the ones that you're going to call at 2 a.m. is when you're broken down on the no, side of the road? I'm going to call dad. <laughs> <laughs> and then you're going to get jokes. Right, dad. <laughs> Help. He's going to tell you about Elon's Musk. <laughs> see, like, it's, it's funny. This is one of my big pet peeves, and I see it all the time on Instagram, is that everybody always refers to their community or their tribe. I'm like, tribe is a close-knit group of people. I mean, this a, a tribe is something that develops over time. It's interpersonal relationships, as you just said. And so there's this misconception that people can have a community or a tribe, and that's just simply not the case. And I think that as we talk about developing mental fortitude, as we talk about it in the context of this, having a tribe is someone that you know where they live. You know, you, you've, you know, you've, seen them physically you've talked mm-hmm. to them you know they're musk <laughs> you know it's uh you know it, these are the people that you develop relationships with that you can ask to hold you accountable and and personal accountability um is one of the biggest elements in mental fortitude mm-hmm. i always think about peyton manning we talked about him earlier but you know after his neck surgeries after you know pretty almost career ending injuries mm-hmm. he came back with the denver broncos and ended up winning two super bowls and what they always said is he was the hardest worker. He was the first one in the office, the last one to leave. He studied the tape. I mean, he was just that guy that had that mental fortitude. And in spite of all of the physical limitations, he still accomplished, you know, some mm-hmm. pretty impressive things. Absolutely. And he did that because he had a close-knit tribe. And you talk about the teammates and, like, they just trusted him. They loved him. That's a tribe. Mm-hmm. Instagram, not a tribe. <laughs> Sorry, Instagrammers. All right, so let's move on from my rant. I've got a lot of those lately. Uh, Self-evaluation and self-control. Let go of limiting beliefs and the all-or-nothing thinking. And this is one of the things that we really see now is the all-or-nothing thinking that can lead to some some major deficiencies in mental fortitude. Mm -hmm. Um, And one thing that we learned from participating in the Fuck Up Nights event was how willing people are to really reframe failure. Mm-hmm. I, you know, it's it's funny, like we're getting into the political season and the commercials are all over the place now. And all it is is mudslinging. It's like, oh, well, you failed at this and you failed at this. Like, why are we not celebrating that? I want a leader who has failed at something because I know hopefully that they've learned from it. You know, we need to start reframing failure. And, and that's where the self-evaluation and the self, um, you know, kind of the self-control comes into play. Uh, I remember when we talked to Phil Bresnahan at the Scripps Institute and we were talking about like 3D modeling and all that, like their their method of education is fail fast. Mm-hmm. Learn what doesn't work so that you can learn what does work. And it's kind of by reframing failure, we can begin to embrace it as a necessary step towards the success we all crave. You know, learn to pick yourself up after setbacks. Fall down 10 times, get up 11. Mistakes are proof that you're trying. What you do after those mistakes is the real measure of grit. On to step six, which is mental training, skill acquisition. You learn new things, you learn from the past, and you stay flexible. Our egos often get in the way when it comes to mental fortitude, usually in the realm of saying to oneself or someone else, I don't know. But when you can happily say those words and then follow up with them by saying, but I can't wait to find out, life gets a whole lot more interesting. So never stop learning and never think that you have all the answers. This was one of my big issues when I was in my 20s, even my 30s even early 40s. Oh, wait, I'm in my early 40s. But I think our ego really has a hard time with saying, I don't know. Mm-hmm. And once we move past that, once we're like, I don't know, but I can find out. I've got le googly. <laughs> you know, or I don't know. And it's not the big, de- you know, it's not the end of the world, but our egos get so caught up with this idea that we have to have the answers and it's just simply not the case. Mm-hmm. But if we sharpen our sword all the time, if we're constantly learning, if we're constantly evolving, then that's the whole path that we're on anyway. 
And that's what mental fortitude is, right? It's, it's not having all the answers. It's knowing that you can get some of them. Mm-hmm. Totally agree. Good. I'm glad we're in alignment on that one. <laughs> yes. So um, as we talk, Angela Duckworth, uh, the researcher found in researching beast barracks, and as we've learned from breeding talent is overrated, as we've discovered from researching high performers from the dawn of time, mental fortitude is a clear predictor of success. More importantly, mental fortitude can be developed. It can be cultivated and it can be expanded. Build a foundation of mental fortitude and the complete human journey gets a lot more interesting. It does. As we're finding out. As we're finding out. All right, you guys, thank you for tuning into another episode of the Complete Human Podcast. Next week wraps up our final episode on the deep dive into mental fortitude with Dr. Craig Marker. So please make sure to check out the mental fortitude quiz at completehuman.com and look for other valuable tools to help build your mental fortitude. And make sure to subscribe to Complete Human on iTunes, YouTube, or whatever platform you listen or watch and help us spread the word by sharing our mission. So until next time, this is Jana Breslin and Evan DeMarco signing off. Bye, guys. Thank you for tuning in to the Complete Human Podcast. Subscribe to our podcast on your favorite platform, rate and review us to help spread the word. For articles, videos, and more, connect with us at completehuman.com. Until next week, we wish you health and happiness. Thank you.